sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Big playoff implications are on the line tonight. If you are considering betting the game, this is Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. You can follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizzapia17, at Sports Grid Raiders and Chargers tonight. Should be an entertaining game. Looks like injuries on both sides. We'll get into that, have a little preview. Also talk a little bit of baseball in the show, as all of the Major League Baseball managers are doing their off-season winter meetings discussions. We'll talk about the Seattle Mariners, uh, also the Texas Rangers, and dive a little deeper into some of the players that we may not be talking about yet here in December. So, uh, Joe, off and running, here we go on this Thursday, and really looking forward to getting into the show today. What's going on? Yeah, absolutely the same. Uh, luckily, the snow is not as bad as predicted. Still, still a fair amount out there, and it's just calling my name. It's just taunting me, waiting for me to go out there and shovel for the next two hours after this show. So this is my sanctuary. This is where I'm choosing to hunker. But you're right. There is definitely a, a fun game on the docket tonight. Uh, perhaps, you know, for the Raiders, this is their playoff stance here, their last stance. And for the Chargers, this is about respect. This is about finishing the season with some kind of strength, because I would say the last few weeks, this Charger team has really fallen apart. And Herbert has been not quite as good as he was to start the year. So maybe you could attribute that to a little bit of more game film on the kid. And maybe you can contribute that to the special teams of the defense and a lot of other things that have just not gone right for the Chargers in 2020. But regardless, a fun and important game time on Thursday Night Football. All right, so let's get a little bit of a preview here as we take a look at our headlines for the 17th of December, 2020. The Raiders... Playoff hopes are essentially on the line on Thursday. Uh, they basically control their own destiny here. If they win tonight, they beat Miami. They're going to make the 2020 playoffs. But if they lose tonight, uh, they're going to need some help. And they're going to need to beat Miami no matter what going into next week. So a win tonight would be good for them. And they are three-point favorites going into this evening. ESPN reports that Drew Brees has a, quote, ways to go before returning. Of course, New Orleans takes on Kansas City this weekend. All signs seem to be pointing toward Taysom Hill making another start, but we'll call that TBD at this point. National Recruiting Day yesterday, a lot of announcements going on all over the country. Always a little bit of an overrated day for me because you never quite know who these kids are going to be, but it's always fun, especially if you are a backer of your university. Now, uh, my university, University of Florida, ended up getting a pretty good quarterback, but one of the big names, Jake Garcia, four-star quarterback ends up picking the University of Miami and decommitting to Southern California. So that was a big story here in my area yesterday. Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers take down the Suns as we're getting ready for the NBA season. The preseason, I believe, comes to an end tonight, if I'm not mistaken. And then things will start on Saturday. Can't wait to see the NBA kickoff. Should be a lot of fun. And for the first time, since the NBA has been back, and I guess since he tested negative six times for COVID, I don't know why they made him test negative six times. Most people test two. But James Harden talked to the media yesterday and said, right now I'm focused on being here. And this comes on the heels of a report that Russell Westbrook had been talking about the bad environment in Houston. And, uh, you know, this kind of is reminiscent a little bit, Joe, of me of last year. I believe it was last year when Jimmy Butler was uh was was on chicago and and they were trying to move him they ended up trading him um and, and eventually he worked his way out i think that he was at a practice yelling at everybody and it's just like 
At some point, you know that Harden's going to get moved, but I understand the Rockets' point of view here. How can you take anything less than getting something that's going to set you up for the future for one of the best players in the NBA? So I think Harden's going to have to understand that. The players do sort of control the league here. We've seen that over the past decade, I would say, with players just teaming up and getting into the right place. I think Harden will get moved, but he's going to have to wait until Houston finds the right place. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Houston can't move a superstar of the magnitude of James Harden and not get a King's ransom back. And the only way they can really do that is if James Harden kind of plays ball right now, no, no pun intended. I mean, he has to kind of be a good citizen and say, I'm focused on being here. I'm a Houston Rocket, all that stuff. Because when you start chirping more in the media, then other organizations know that things are in a really bad spot and they're going to take advantage of that from a leverage standpoint of trade. So right now, James Harden has to kind of play the game if he wants out of there. And, and look, maybe it was just as simple as Russell Westbrook and him not getting along or maybe it was just as simple as maybe just needing to step away a little bit but i would say this if they are indeed going to move him at some point in this year james harden has to kind of get on the same page with the rockets he's got to be a good citizen he's got to go out there and be the james harden that everybody anticipates him being and then maybe they can make that move but you're right you can't just deal james harden for a couple draft picks or something like that. You can't deal James Harden for a role player or two. You have to get some superstar potential back, whether that be in a combination of good young players and draft picks or a bunch of number ones or whatever that might be. It's going to be probably some sort of combination of all of the above. And, and at least James Harden, there are a couple, I would say, landing spots that do make sense. I know Philadelphia makes sense. We've talked about uh, the Brooklyn team making sense. So there's more than one landing spot there and probably two or three that I haven't even thought of that – you know, there is that possibility where you can fit him into that roster. You can fit him into the pay scale and all that stuff. Now, some are a little tighter than others, clearly. But as far as James Harden goes, you know you are getting a player that's a difference maker, Craig. And, I, you know, at this point in time in the NBA, just like in the last 20 years, when you can get that kind of player in the NBA on your team that is a difference maker, that's the difference between you being a non-playoff team and a playoff team and a playoff team and a conference championship team. And I think that is why he is going to be so coveted this season. And I would be shocked if he finished the year with the Houston Rockets, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm surprised that he's still there. I think part of the reason he's still there now is my guess is just the offseason was just too short to really make all these things work between free agency and the draft and everything that was going on just might not have been enough time to get the deal that they needed to get done in this shorter offseason. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could say is that if Philadelphia does make a lot of sense. It seems pretty clear that Ben Simmons is just not enough, because if he was, this deal would have been done. He's a very good player, but either Philadelphia is not willing to give him up or it's not enough in the deal. We'll be right back here on Fantasy Sports today. We'll take a look and decide if the wrong team is favored in a couple games this week. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Of course, the Fantasy Football second round is going on this week. We'll touch more on that coming up with Andrew Erickson. And then, of course... Next week, we'll be talking about the Fantasy Football Championship. Crazy to think that we are here at the end of the line, but folks, we keep going. We've got the NFL playoffs, college football playoffs, and bowl season coming up next week as well. All right, Joe, so let's take a look at some teams here and some lines. This is a very interesting uh, game slate this week just because you have so few games with short point spreads. A lot of big favorites going into the weekend here. So hate laying points, but I kind of feel like at some point that's gonna, that may have to get done. It did not work out at all last week, but 
Maybe it will this week. We'll see. Uh, let's start off with a very peculiar line for sure with the Dolphins taking on the New England Patriots. And Miami is minus one and a half in this game. There's no question that Miami has played better than New England this year. There's, I mean, you can't really deny it. It's not close. Uh, Miami played very well in New England last year, as we remember. It was an absolute nightmare for me where the Patriots ended up losing that game. I ended up pushing my bet on the Dolphins. Uh, so I anticipated Miami being a little bit more of a favorite here, and then they are not. So, um, <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, I'll go to you on this one to start. <laughs> what a setup. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, this line moved yesterday from two and a half to one and a half. So that's another little bit of information here to consider. And, and you're right. This was a nightmare, not just for you. It was a nightmare for me too last year, because this was a game that was the difference between the Patriots having a buy and not having a buy. And they didn't have the buy. And we all know how that all worked out. Um, I, I think the, the Dolphins deserve a lot of credit, especially that defense, because last week they really did hang in there. Now, they were down 30 to 10 in that fourth quarter, and they battled back. And I think that's what you wanted to see, and you wanted to see Tua move the chains a little bit. My concerns are with Miami, and maybe this is why the line has shrunk a little bit. The injuries to Gasicki, the injuries to Devontae Parker, the injuries to Gaskin. There's a lot of injuries on offense. I don't know at a certain point when we all kind of sit back and say, can the Dolphins continue to overcome all these injuries? Now, the Patriots have not played well, uh, obviously. They had that shutout against the Chargers, but a lot of that was about special teams and getting up early on that team. And we all know the Chargers have many, many flaws and far, far more flaws, I would say, than the Miami Dolphins. So for me, I feel like the Dolphins should be favored in this game. I would lean towards the Dolphins side of this game uh, just because the Patriots' ineptitude at times has been staggering. And, and you always bring up the point that the Patriots – are in games and then at the very end of games things kind of you know get shaken out there well last week they were not they were not in this game at all they got their doors blown off last week after blowing off somebody else's doors so this has been a weird two weeks for them in los angeles and now they're going to go to miami so it's a lot of traveling for them too they went from new england to la and then back down to miami so i'm going to take the the dolphins in this game i definitely lean that way and I do think the right team is favored here. I think the Dolphins have earned a little respect, especially against that uh, Kansas City team last week. They did show a lot of fight. Craig, what do you think? Yeah, I would probably lean the same, thinking that Miami should be favorite. And I'm always very wary of the division games because it simply doesn't matter how good right. one team is and how bad the other team is. When, they, when the two teams play, and especially with Miami and New England, you can pretty much write it down every year. Miami is going to beat New England once. It didn't matter if New England was winning Super Bowls. But somehow Miami would beat them, either here or last year in New England. So Always. Brady never played I, well in the warm weather, too. Those stats are, are glaring. Whenever the weather was like over 80 degrees, you look at the Brady stat numbers, the completion percentage. It was so, so bizarre. <laughs> you know. And I don't know if you want to factor that in, but over the years, it was enough to build up that you go. Even that game a couple years ago, remember when Jacksonville, when they lost to Jacksonville? that last play of the game a couple years ago where they had it and then they blew it at the very end and Gronk missed that tackle. Uh, I, you know, for some reason, the Pats oh, the in, in warm weather haven't been good, but that was a lot of Brady stats. I don't know what Cam Newton and how we're going to take this out, but Cam Newton hasn't been good either. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I do tend to love taking teams at their lowest point because it's usually the most value you're going to have and it's sure. not a representation of the team. And that's kind of where New England is. I don't have a strong feeling on this game. I guess that's really the bottom line here. Uh, but I, I do think that you have to make the Dolphins favorite in the game for sure. sure. Oh, okay, Sunday, let's go to this one. And and this one is another one that to me is uh, very, very tough to call. Very tough. I mean, 
The Bears are taking on the Vikings. Uh, personally, Vikings uh, should not be favored over anyone almost in the NFL. They're really not good. The Bears are not good. So essentially what they're telling you with the line here, and the line is three in most places. I know we have three and a half here, but it's three in most places. What they're saying is this is a dead even game, basically, because you have to give the home team three points. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of where I'm at here. I think the right team is favored. It would not shock me at all to see the Bears win at all. It also wouldn't shock me at all to see the Vikings blow out the Bears. And that's why this is not a game that I'm very interested in, because I think that there's just too too much uncertainty here with this. Um, I mean, I, I am not a Vikings fan. I've watched them play all year long. They certainly have the ability to beat anyone, and they also have the ability mm-hmm. to lose. I mean, I can put four more losses on their schedule based on watching them this year. You can. And I can, I can make the Bears 0-15 too, but I can make them 15-0, and just like Minnesota. So two freaky teams for me. Right team is favored. Got to make the home team a favorite, a favorite here, but I don't think that I trust Minnesota laying any points ever. No, I, I agree with you on this scenario, and I do think Minnesota should be favored here, but I love the Bears side of this game. I talked about it on the podcast this week. Um, Trubisky's playing his best football. Montgomery's on a roll. Robinson looks great. Defense bounced back after a bad week. So for me, especially with the kicking game being a problem, I think this is the perfect spot actually to lean towards the Chicago side of this game because that kicking game is just imploding uh, for Minnesota, and that doesn't help you in what theoretically could be another one of those close division games like you talk about. All right, now on to a couple of the later games. And this one is also an interesting line because I'm going to go back to last week here for a minute. So the 49ers are minus three at Dallas. And and this reminds me of last week's game a little bit with the Dallas Cowboys because when I took a look at the lines for the first time and I saw Dallas minus three and a half at Cincinnati, I thought, wow, what am I missing here? Cincinnati is getting four points. Who, Who is Dallas to be laying three and a half points on the road? And Dallas ended up blowing out Cincinnati. And I thought at the time, you know, that's why they make the lines what they are. And that's the way I feel about this game, too. When I looked at it, I thought, wait a second here. What business does San Francisco have being minus three over any team in the NFL, let alone at Dallas? I think the line is right. I think that. And, and again, I don't agree with it. I don't understand how Dallas is not at least a pick them here. But again, they're, they're making these lines for a reason. I believe the right team is favored. I think that I'm going to be in on the 49ers this week because of that. I, I just it's it smells like it's the wrong line, and usually that's that's what it is. So um, yeah, I think 49ers we're in will have Dallas. I, we're in lockstep, and and I think people will be afraid of this a little bit because what they're going to notice too is that well, Raheem Mostert is out, and that's going to be a big loss, and Debo Samuel is out, but Ayuk has played tremendous football. Now there's a possibility you get Kittle back in this game. I don't know how active he's going to be, but. I'm with you. I mean, they're just going to pivot to Jeffrey Wilson Jr. and keep running the football. And as good as Dallas looked last week, that was against Cincinnati. So I actually prefer the San Francisco side, and I do think the right team is favored in this one. And then finally, I wish we knew who would play quarterback for the Saints. We don't know for sure. It appears that it's going to be Taysom Hill, but let's get into this one. It's Kansas City taking on New Orleans. The Chiefs are a three-point favorite, and uh, I, I do think that the Chiefs should be favored but you cannot ignore the trend that is going on right now, which is the Chiefs are not covering spreads. I mean, they are not. So, I mean, we're we just going to keep blindly taking Kansas City and hoping eventually that they're going to cover? Uh, maybe so. Um, don't think the right team is favored here. think the Saints should be favored in this game, or at least it should be a pick For whatever reason, the Chiefs are not playing their best football right now, Joe. So don't know if I'll have a strong opinion on this one, but I, I, I think that the line's a little off here. 
Well, the interesting trend with the Chiefs is that they get up early. I mean, look at them in Tampa, right? That game looked like it was going to be over before it started. And then second half, Tampa got back in it. Uh, the Denver game had some weird calls in it. There were a couple of touchdowns that got called back and some other issues in that one. And that was kind of a letdown game after Tampa for them. So I understood that. And then kind of the same thing. They were up 30 to 10 on the Dolphins. And they let them get back in it. So that's the problem. Now, Taysom Hill's got the bigger problem here because he keeps turning over the football. And that's something you can't give Mahomes extra shots. I think that will be the difference maker. And that, I think, is why you see the, the Chiefs uh, at a three-point favorite in this one. And I do think it's correct, and I think the Chiefs will win this football game. I do, and who knows? If he has another fumble or two, you could see Jameis Winston show up in this game because turnovers are turnovers. You're going to need somebody to move the football. All right, coming up next, we'll talk about some of the other games, big lines in the NFL. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Now is the time in the show for you to log on to the FanDuel Sportsbook because... The best bet of the week is coming up here. Can't wait to do this one, folks. Get ready. Get your login ready. Get your phone out. Get get your guy on the phone. Yeah. Because here we go, folks. This is this is just. That phone. I mean, this put is it like, down gently. Is, put it down gently. Be careful. Let's not have. Hey, I'm not going to put it off the air like I did last week. Yeah. Well, um, us, you. Yeah, we're you are. We're about to make some money here, guys. We are about to make some money here, and this is uh, we're going to go through a couple of more spreads here. We're going to go through Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. We're also going to do the SEC championship here where I'll take the Gators no matter what, so it won't matter. Uh, so that's a little preview for the next five minutes here. You can hit fast forward just right past it because I'm not betting against the Gators. Uh, but we we really are interested here for uh, this first game. This is this is a big mm-hmm. one for us here because uh, we're, we're, we got the Cal Ripken streak of the Rams going here. we got to keep it going. Um, we got the Jets <laughs> taking on the Rams on Sunday. And the Rams are 17-point favorites over the New York Jets. And for those of you who may be watching the show for the first time, Joe has inaccurately predicted on or against the Rams pretty much every week since we started the show at the beginning of the football season. So um, I don't know that week one or two or three, I really don't remember, but I, I, I feel like we're at like nine or ten probably. But every single week I give Joe credit, he gets off the mat, he takes a huge punch, by the way. If I get it wrong, make fun of me on my oh, it is it's it, we've we've had some good ones here. But this mm-hmm. is the week. I have a feeling. I ha- I mean, this seems like money in the bank right now here. But it is your Rams pick. So, so give it to our audience, Joe. Jets <laughs> at Rams, Rams minus 17. Which way do we go? And I'm the fool that keeps adding these things to the show sheet when it comes to the Rams to talk about. I'm basically just feeding the beast of Craig Mish to mock me, and rightfully so. 30 to 10. That is the final score. That means a cover. That's what I'm going. That's right. Here it is on camera. There you go. I don't think this line is too big. I mean, have we watched the Jets play football these last few weeks? I understand they were fun that one week against the Raiders and some crazy things happened. But since they fired Greg Williams last week, that defense looked all kinds of lost. Okay. And I know everybody says, well, certain teams are, you know, they're going to fall into a win. Well, they're not going to fall into a win this week. The question is, will they fall into a cover? And I don't think they will. I mean, the way this Rams defense has played the last few weeks, the way this Jets offense has played the last few weeks, Crowder's banged up too. 
uh, sorry. Like, I, I just don't, you know, you see a 17 and usually you want to run the other way. I mean, this could be worse. This could be another game like last week where it was 30 to three or something in that range. I mean, I just think it's that kind of a blowout. Cam Akers is playing out of his mind the last few weeks. He looked great last Thursday. The Rams have extra rest. Are you kidding me? No, the line is not too big, Craig Mish. Uh, by the way, uh, the quicksand around my chair, I noticed, started to move. But whatever. Don't don't pay any attention to that. I heard I heard the guys at LTN in the background all logging in, like typing, like furiously before the <laughs> line the cover. moves. <laughs> you know, they want to get it at seventeen. You know? Yeah. They're not going to mm-hmm. have a chance. This is going to go down. Yeah. Jets, How about you, Craig? I mean, what are your thoughts on this line? Is it too I agree, big for you? I agree with you. I agree with you. Oh, I, no, I, that's not I, good I, for I you. I agree with you, but now I feel bad about agreeing. Good. I hope you I sweat for the next 24 hours, 48 I feel like hours. I've got to switch my it. Yep. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I, I never lay this many points in an NFL game, but – if you're going to lay yeah. 17, it's going to be against the Jets. That's for sure. I, I just I hate doing it. I don't think that there's any team in the NFL that's ever 20 points better than another. Um, Seattle definitely showed that last week. They completely blew out the Jets. It was not close. I hate to do it, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think that the Rams are fair enough. The Jets are probably worse than where Miami was at the midpoint of last year's season. And if Miami was going to the Rams, they would have been 25-point underdogs at this point like they were against Dallas. So um, I don't think the line the pain, is too big, but I certainly am now scared. I certainly have the now. The pain in your voice been, is worth it. Like that, that is going to be such a great weekend now. For I'm going to really enjoy from now until Sunday when this game happens in the afternoon. I'm going to enjoy you overthinking this. You know, reacting. I can't wait to see if you can pick in the super contest or not. I imagine you're not going to, or if you we were, now you're taking the Rams. <laughs> we talked about taking the Rams. Uh, yes. Go ahead, do it. You can, that's going to be our whammy. That could be the whammy for the week. All right. Well, listen. I I don't know that we'll pull off of it, but you know, maybe this will be the, the week the streak comes to an end. I don't know. Hopefully so. Okay. Monday, eight fifteen Eastern. Steelers and Bengals. The Steelers are laying twelve and a half. Cincinnati showed zero signs of life last week. Wow, they played absolutely horrible. But. Uh, question does have to be asked when the Steelers went up against that JV Baltimore team, they certainly allowed them to stay in this game. So mm-hmm. 12 and a half road point favorites against Cincinnati. I want no part whatsoever of this game. I've not been good at all on Monday night. And furthermore, I'm not really sure who Pittsburgh is. Uh, so I do think that they should be favored. I do think that the line should be 10. We're pushing 12-14, and I think the reason why is because Cincinnati, Joe, has just completely fallen apart. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, epically look like as bad or as as worse than the Jets. Honestly, the last few weeks, they look terrible. What happened to Craig Monday night home dog cover Mish? What happened to that guy? I'm losing every game this year. I don't want to do it. I I don't know what's going on here. Well, here's the thing. I think this number is too big, and I'll tell you why. And it's not, you know – necessarily about the, the the difference of the cavern between these two teams. I think that when Pittsburgh has a lead, they physically cannot run the football. Uh, they just, just can't do it. And I know we're going to talk to Andrew in this next segment about that too, is it was James Conner, a guy you can start this week. And I don't think he is. And it's just that concern, their inability on the offensive line and with the running backs they have to get a lead and then sit on a lead makes me concerned that there is a weird backdoor cover potentially in this game. And you add in the drop problems and you add in a little bit of the confidence. Look, I have no doubt that Pittsburgh's going to win this game, 
but you're asking him to win this game by 12 and a half. I think that's a lot considering where Pittsburgh is. And look, maybe this is the the get right game. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe Pittsburgh goes out and just blows their doors off and looks fantastic. But you always say, and I agree with you, that in division games can get tricky. And these teams kind of, you know, show up in weird spots where you never, never thought they would show up. And it's Monday night football, standalone game. I think Cincinnati will lose this football game. But I think that number is tough to swallow. It really is. Like, I just I can't see the Steelers being able to sit on a lead long enough for the second half of a football game and not let Cincinnati back in because they just can't run the football. And that has been the problem. It's why they had problems against Washington. It's why they had problems against Baltimore. It's why they had problems against Buffalo. I mean, this is this is not a trend now. This is this is a fact. Okay. This is just what the Steelers are right now. And I don't know if they could just get it right because if you look at the grades on PFF of the offensive line and look at Pouncey who's towards the bottom of centers, I mean that's never where Pouncey is. So there's something going wrong here. And I don't know if they can fix it right away. And I, I just don't think, I think it's a problem with the team. I don't think it's a problem necessarily that it's like, oh, we're just going to flip the switch and be able to do it. It's not that kind of a situation. All right. And finally, let's cap it off. We talked about Clemson and Notre Dame yesterday. Let's touch on the SEC championship coming up this weekend, which would have been so great if the Gators, oh man, if the Gators just had beaten LSU last week, Florida would be playing to get a chance to play in that final four, that playoff. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they still do have a shot because of the college football rankings. But realistically speaking, I got to be transparent with it. I don't I don't think that a two loss SEC team deserves it, especially over Texas A&M if they win because Texas A&M beat Florida. But the Gators are 17 point underdogs against Alabama. There is no question in my mind, the Gators are going to score three touchdowns in this game. That is going to happen. Their offense is great. They score a lot. Their defense is not. They gave up a lot of points to LSU last week. There's no question in my mind that Alabama is going to score three touchdowns in this game. The problem is, will they score 13 touchdowns in this game? And that is the concern. <laughs> and um, Alabama has played Florida in the SEC championships probably the last 10 years. They've probably played four or five times. A couple of them, the lines were this big, and Alabama did win uh, by significant amounts in this game. So uh, I don't think the line is too big. I think it is probably about right. But it wouldn't surprise me at all to see this game go toe-to-toe for a while before Alabama inevitably uh, pulls away in this one. So I'm going to root for the Gators and hope the Gators win, but keep it real here where I don't think they will. But I, I do think there's a chance that they cover. Yeah, I mean, look, there's certainly a chance that they cover, but I think I don't think the line is too big historically of what we've seen with Alabama. Uh, that being said, I would love to hear what the Craig Mish final score in your head is because if you think both of these teams are good for three touchdowns each just to begin with, uh, what's the over-under in this game? Maybe that's the approach you want Not to take. Not high enough, get the line. Think, yeah. Well, that, that's to me, like, if you, you seem very confident with that. And if you're very confident and you're throwing 60-something points on the board already, I'm fast. I mean, you're just throwing that off the top of your head, right? You know, like, that's that's kind of feels like what we're Because I, yeah, I mean – The total is – oh, I mean, take a, take a shot at the total here. Uh, uh, the total is 58. Keep going. 62. Keep going. 68. Keep going. <laughs> No way. It's over 70? <laughs> wow. 75. Whoa. I take back everything I said. Do you think this could go over the 75? That's an amazing. It could. I mean, okay. It could. Is that Alabama is probably going to score 50 points. Wow. Oh, look, if you like, if you like scoring, 
<laughs> if you like entertaining football, this is definitely the game for you. I, I guarantee I mean, you this is the highest total in the history of the SEC championship. There's no, there's I mean, no question. I don't need to go back and look. Well, if it is so high, is that telling you a little bit like that, that it's almost too much? Or do you really think that's realistic? When no, you look at these over. It could go over. Wow. Uh, yeah, I oh, didn't even know going into the segment, but it, it definitely could. Alabama's going to score a lot. The Gators are going to score a lot. The Gators' offense is fantastic. Yeah, but I want to see defense. Trask on the big stage here. This is a big game I mean, for him against Alabama. It. Look how many points the Gators gave up to LSU last week. Right. So right. that's kind of who they are. So, mm-hmm. All right, Andrew Erickson joins us next. We'll get into fantasy football's semifinal week. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid, and it's Thursday, and that means it's time for some past, some present, and some future with our good friend from PFF. Andrew Erickson. Andrew, here we are, week two of the playoffs. Hopefully you're still alive. You still got some shares alive, or did did they all die last week against Derrick Henry? Yeah, I was going I was going up against Derrick Henry in a league, but I uh, I survived. Wow. I, I made it through. I had Nick Chubb come through for me. So I had AJ Brown too as well. So I had a couple couple things go in my favor. But actually, you know, it's funny, the three leagues that I made the semifinals are all the leagues are IDP. So I think I found my edge. There you go. See, I always tell people IDP, they get so intimidated. It's fun. It's not that hard. You don't have to know every defensive player. You just have to know basically the elite ones and understand how the scoring works. I think IDP is great. I play in three IDP leagues. I love them all. I think they're great. I encourage more people next year. Go try it. Everyone complains. All defenses mean nothing. You can stream defenses. We'll change that. Make it an IDP league and challenge yourself a little bit in 2021. (laughs) But I don't know. Boy, what a sad state of affairs. How do you lose with Derrick Henry? That person must be really beside themselves, I would imagine. That's not a good look. Ugh. Yeah, too. It's a it's a dynasty league, so I actually had traded that person, Derrick Henry, at the start of the year for Nick Chubb and some other pieces. So, came out on top. Wow, full circle, full <laughs> circle narrative. All right, let's do a little pass. Let's talk about some things last week, and let's start with the Bears. Montgomery's got 400 yards in three games. He's breaking off big runs, and the last two games, Trubisky looked like a decent fantasy quarterback. Are we getting lulled into a false sense of security here, or is this a viable roster spot here going forward? Obviously, David Montgomery on a roll in DFS last couple of weeks. Can you can you roll with the Bears right now? I can't believe I'm even saying this. I hesitate to say it, but it feels like things are starting to pick up, at least offensively for them right now. Yeah, I mean, Montgomery's basically had his best stretch of fantasy production that he's ever had in his entire career. And look, that's what he's doing. He's had the basically the best matchups you could possibly ask for for a running back besides the fact he hasn't played the Dallas Cowboys basically he's had every plus matchup you know with the teams that he's faced so he's doing exactly what he should be doing and look I get you know people are going to complain oh well you know if you take away the 80 yard touchdown run like he didn't do that good it's like yeah well he still ran the 80 yard touchdown run like it still counts so I hate when people you know I am I want to get back to Montgomery in a second 
But I want to slap people when they start saying stupid things like that. Like, oh, Nick Chubb wouldn't be so good if he didn't have that 70-yard run. That's why he's good, moron, because he runs 70 yards at a clip and can break away and get a big touchdown. How is this a negative? Like, I get it. There's some guys that don't touch the ball very often. But the ones that do and have these big runs, why do people try to throw that back at everyone else? Is like that's some sort of deficit or some sort of negative that, oh, well, he had a lot of yards on one play. Well, that's good. Give me two of those a game. And I'm going all the way to the fantasy championship. Yeah, I think it just has to do with the analysis behind it in terms of, you know, like yards per carry is always one that gets thrown around. And it's really hard to look at it because it gets so inflated because of these big runs. So I think that that kind of carries over to the fact that all the big runs aren't sustainable. And look, if he's rushing, you know, eight times, 10 yards each run, like, yeah, that's what we want. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a consistent running back. Whereas if it gets all in one carry, it's like, well, it's probably not going to happen again. But hey. You know, that's not what he's known for, but he's showing it that he's capable of doing it. So, yeah, I mean, David Montgomery, I think you're going to continue to roll with him. I I don't think that he's going to continue on the pace that he's had because I think the Vikings have been a little bit better on defense. Like, they weren't bad against the run last week. So, again, I don't know if this is another RB one week for Montgomery. But, look, I mean, he's still super solid. He gets all the workload. He gets involved in the passing game. So, confident in him. Trubisky, I'm a little lukewarm on again. It is Mitchell Trubisky. He is a turnover machine at times. And Mike Zimmer has kind of had his number in the past. Again, the Vikings defense is not as good. But Trubisky, again, he's had these really good matchups as well. And I'm just maybe a little bit more concerned about just him in general, especially with a lot of other good quarterback options available this week. Is Trubisky going to do enough here at the end of the year to save his job for next year with the Bears? Or do you think that's just too soon to tell with coaching scenarios and things like that yet to play out? Yeah, I think it's a little bit too soon to tell. I I really don't know how they view Trubisky now. Like, are they impressed by what he's doing? Is it, I guess I just don't understand. You know, they got Nick Foles and I I mean, I I mean, they were seemed like they were content with using Foles and then he sucked and then they came back to Trubisky. Trubisky's playing well, (laughs) but he's also played pretty bad teams. Like he hasn't really played any good defenses. So. I well, mean, luckily but, he's got Minnesota this week, so yeah. it's not going to all of a sudden get better. I mean, if I'm a Bears you know? fan, I don't want either of them. Like That's that. fair. That is fair. <laughs> all right, let's talk about Jalen Hurts. And Eagles fans wanted him. Last week, they finally got him. So 100 yards rushing his debut. is the first guy to do that since Lamar Jackson two years ago. Before that, nobody did it since 1950. That was <laughs> a long time. But look, Jalen Hurts, some good, some bad, I think, in that first start. I'm always of the mind, you know, that first start's always the best one. Then they get some video on you, and then they start to find some weaknesses. I don't know what your expectations are this rest of the season here, because clearly Hurts is going to be the quarterback the rest of the season for the Eagles. But in terms of fantasy, how does this impact the rest of this team? I mean, the good news is that Miles Sanders touched the ball more, and I'm hopefully that I'm hoping that that is going to be the trend that continues. But do you think Hurts can make any of these other pieces useful around him? Well, I, I will say with her or with Hertz that he does tend to target Dallas Goddard. So looking at, I mean, Dallas Goddard leading the team in targets. And if you look at in terms of like target share, as opposed to just raw targets, I mean, 25% target share for Dallas Goddard is pretty good, you know, especially for a tight end to lead with that kind of target share. Again, only 24 passing attempts, six targets, but the Eagles were winning like the entire game against the New Orleans Saints. Basically, you know, we had a great write-up on PFF.com about Jalen Hurts' performance and basically how everybody just played out of their minds, like around him. Like the offensive line played way better. The receivers didn't drop any passes. The defense stepped up. Like basically anything that wasn't happening when Wentz was the quarterback, it happened this week. And maybe that's just the Jalen Hurts effect. Like not even on the field, but just him, his presence, just not having Carson Wentz back there just kind of gave – 
a little bit of semblance of life to everyone on the team. So I do like Dallas Goddard. I think they're going to have to probably throw a little bit more in this game against the Arizona Cardinals. They are seven-point underdogs on the road. So I don't expect them to necessarily just come out and just, like, stomp on the Cardinals. The Cardinals' defense isn't that great. So I do think that you can get a little bit more of the pass catchers. But for me, it's just going to be Dallas Goddard and obviously, like, Miles Sanders. But can't touch anyone else. All right. Well, speaking of things that need to get better fast, that's the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers run game. Because presently, they have none. I mean, I've seen more single back sets for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the last three weeks than I've seen my entire lifetime of watching Steelers football. It's kind of bizarre. Uh, James Conner was drafted as RB15. He's RB24 on the year right now. Uh, Is there any hope for this, you know, this running game to turn things around here? I mean, they got the Bengals this week. Is this is this the time where they get back to basics? And can they even do it if they want to? No. I think that if you're a fantasy manager and you're trying to think of ways, oh, this is going to be week they turn around. It's week 15, people. Like, chances are we know what these teams are at this point. Like, they're not just going to flip a switch unless there's something like we talk about the Eagles. They switch their quarterback. Okay. Right. That can actually cause a change in offensive scheme, philosophy, et cetera. But the Steelers don't. It's not like they're, all right, well, we just got this new offensive line. We're going to break out this week and help block for our running backs. That's not going to happen. Like James Connors, not an explosive runner to make enough plays like a Miles Sanders. So even behind a bad offensive line, James Connors not going to make plays. Benny Snell, you know, Jalen Samuels out snapped James Conner last week. So look, I am not touching James Conner. Look, he's had his chances to put up RB1 numbers. He's played the Jaguars, the Cowboys, the it's Bengals true. already, the Bills, all terrible run defenses. And he's finished once inside the top 20, one time. So, I mean, yeah, that's the way that the Steelers are. And they're a pass. That's how they have to move the ball is through the air. Their run game is basically these screen passes, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. That's kind of how they move the ball. So I don't think that they can just be like, hey, we're going to establish the run and do this. I think that they have to continue to throw the ball and try to use those wide receivers really as an extension of the run game. All right, let's talk about Lamar because presently he's on a a tear as well. Finally, the the handcuffs have come off and Lamar Jackson has literally run this team back into contention. And I, I guess it begs the question, is this something we should expect now? where they kind of just dial things back and then let him loose every year. Cause if so, it'd be nice to know these things ahead of time <laughs> as a fantasy owner. Cause it was really frustrating. I mean, we just talked like two weeks ago that Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson were hovering around the same spot. And now last two weeks, Lamar Jackson has been a scoring machine. And a lot of people look at themselves going, where was this guy the first, you know, 10, 12 weeks of the season when I needed him to get into my playoffs. So is this just a matter of, Hey, they're just desperate right now. And then next year they get a wide receiver and things get better or, I mean, I don't know what to say at this point to those people because I think they have a legitimate gripe with John Arbaugh. I think it just has to do with the fact that what he was doing last year was just unsustainable. Like he couldn't possibly repeat what he did. It's why it's so hard to repeat his MVP, especially when you rush for like 1,200 yards, which no one has ever done. And look, that's why he came down. And his uh, his fantasy value is obviously attached to his legs. So when he's not running as much or not finding those open lanes, not scoring rushing touchdowns, then he's not going to put up fantasy points. And the thing that sucks about it is he's still not throwing for many yards. So his ancillary pieces, his Marquise Browns, Mark Andrews are becoming uber dependent on touchdowns. And they need that uber efficiency from the passing game. He just hasn't been as efficient as a passer this season just because of natural regression. He's not going to average, you know, nine yards attempt in a 36 to four, you know, touchdown interception ratio every single season. That's just not sustainable from what we've seen statistically. 
So for me, again, Lamar Jackson's still going to probably be in the top five conversation for a quarterback next year, but I don't think he's going to be far and far away. The, oh, he's my number one guy. He's my number two guy. Like, no, I think it's really going to be a cluster between Mahomes and Kyler Murray. Maybe Russell Wilson gets in there, Mahomes, or uh, Justin Herbert, maybe he sneaks in there as well. So I think it's going to be this top tier of quarterback play. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of falls out probably with even now Aaron Rodgers probably back in the conversation as well. All right, let's do a little future here. Let's talk about Jonathan Taylor because he also is starting to show all of the reasons why people were so excited about him and maybe overhyped him coming into the drafts this year as he got a lot of helium as draft season went on. But unfortunately, it's kind of late in the game now. But for those who traded for him or somehow stayed true and were able to still get in the playoffs, he's been incredible the last couple of weeks. Now, here's my question to you. Is Jonathan Taylor now getting to a point where next year he gets back into that RB1 conversation where people thought he might break through this year with that? Have you seen enough these last few weeks to kind of – buy into the hype of what he could have been and wasn't earlier on the season, but now you're seeing it. Is that going to carry over in 2021 for you? Have you seen enough yet? hundred percent. I mean, he was a running back that was going in the third round, a lot of drafts anyway. And that was with basically no one seen him in the NFL yet. Marla Mack was still on the team and people were still confident enough to take him in the third round of you know fantasy football draft. So for me, yeah, I think that he's going to probably be a first-round pick, and I'm going to have no problem taking him. He could definitely take another step this year. And look, I mean, we've kind of just seen all parts of him. So I get that he didn't do it in the order we wanted him to do. We wanted to come out and smash right away. He kind of started out the hot season pretty well, and then kind of fell off a little bit, and then now it's trying to heat up again. So Look, obviously people are going to listen and watch and remember what they saw at the last of the player. But for me, it's like, yeah, this is exactly what we wanted at the end. He is a league winner right now. He That's what he's offering you to fantasy owners. And people are going to remember that next year, especially if he shows out at least this week. And then somehow he gets it done against Pittsburgh next week. I, I can't see how he's not going to be first round pick next year. Yeah, I feel like him and Cam Akers both, if they have big time performances in the playoffs, forget it. Like they're going to end up being into the first round, early second round picks. No doubt about that. A real quick too. Let's talk about the wide receivers in the future. Do you see any of these post type guys? We saw a lot of great wide receivers break through, but some did not KJ Hamler are finishing up strong uh, rugs. Obviously is going to miss this week. You've also got guys in there like Pittman and Mim, some of that other tier of wide receiver. Any of those guys interesting for you in 2021 post type that you're not ready to give up on? I think Mims is probably the my interesting one. Again, if he's tied to Trevor Lawrence, he could be right. the number one. That's <laughs> like that's very appealing. That would be nice. <laughs> yes, that, be that, nice. that is very appealing, and he's got a pretty good draft probably. I think a guy you didn't mention, but I think someone that's played really well and could find himself in a starting role next year is uh, Gabriel Davis yeah. for the Buffalo Bills. John Brown has dealt with injuries, and he I believe he's a free agent next year, so he would slide into be that number two opposite Stephon Diggs. And again, attached to Josh Allen, who is kind of approaching that top-tier quarterback. I'm going to buy Gabriel Davis for sure. I think he's in that conversation, man. I'm very impressed with Josh Allen and not, not just because of this past week's game, but also the last couple weeks, he's really starting to put it all together in 2020. All right. We're going to see if Andrew can put it all together in the next segment, because it's time for a little fantasy trivia. We'll test that big brain of his. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. We come back. We're going to see if Andrew can answer our question. And like I said, you can check out all of Andrew's work over pro football focus, PFF.com. And that's also at Andrew Erickson underscore on the Twitter machine. Give him a follow. So stick around. A little trivia session with my boy AE. We come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Grid Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia, Andrew Erickson, talking football. And before I ask my question, Andrew actually has a question for me. So, all right, going to flip the script. They're going to turn the tables, all of those metaphors and uh, platitudes. Go ahead. Ask the Joe Pizzapia a question. Let's see if uh, I am smart after all. Probably not. Spoiler alert. All right. So over the past two weeks, one of these running backs has yet to hit 50 rushing attempts. <laughs> one of these running backs doesn't have 50 rushing attempts. The three running backs are Dalvin Cook, Cam Akers, and Derrick Henry. Which one doesn't have 50 rushing attempts over the past two weeks? That is amazing. You know what? I'm going to say Cam Akers, but I feel like it's probably Derrick Henry. That is correct. It is Derrick Henry. Cam yeah. Akers has Cam Akers has 50 rushing attempts over the past two weeks. Dalvin Cook has 54, and Derrick Henry has 41. Yeah, and a 200-yard game to boot. <laughs> All right, my turn. Let's do this one. Who is the only player to have a thousand yards receiving over the last six seasons? Now, a little hint in there is the verbiage. So, oh, yeah, what you want. So, do you know who this is? Who is the only player in the last six years to have a thousand yards receiving every single season? Do you know? I believe it is the current leader in receiving yards for the 2020 season, and it's Travis Kelsey. That is correct. Look at you. So smart. Absolutely. I, I Here's a question. You know, this guy is the one dude at tight end. I know Kittle's really good, Waller's good, and Ertz has had some moments. But now we're in a whole new situation where I think we have to sit back and realize this guy is now approaching that Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski. He's in that conversation now. Is he going to be one of the greatest to ever do it? And I have never been a guy that really wanted to reach for Kelsey early. But now I'm starting to feel otherwise going into next year because I hate tight end next year. I'm already looking at the pool. I don't like it. <laughs> and I love wide receiver next year. Are you somebody that's going to reach for Kelsey early in a second round or end of? I mean, some people want to argue from end of the first. I can understand why. I don't want to do that. But is it smart to lock in that high level productivity of Travis Kelsey in your mind? I think it is, honestly. I mean, you just look at him. What's the difference between him and a wide receiver? He leads the league in receiving yards. So why would I take him? And over... you could find a thousand yard wide receiver in <laughs> rounds four, five, six, seven. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, the only difference is he gives you a position advantage. I mean, look, you can't find a tight end. You you you, you could pick up Justin Jefferson off the waiver wire and he's a thousand yard wide receiver. You That's can true. you will never ever find ever. a tight end. I mean, Darren Waller was rare last year, but you'll never find a tight end that has a thousand receiving yards, like locked in every year, like Kelsey on the waiver wire. It's impossible. So first round. Yeah. Sign me up. You're not a waiver wire guy. You're a first round pick in my heart. So uh, I want to thank Andrew as always for his time. Stick around our two of fantasy sports today, right around the corner. Don't go anywhere or sports grid right after this. 